0: Welcome back to the RENA Lab podcast, a show that explores the science and the people behind the Research and Innovation Network Austria, also known as RENA. This week, we're going to dig deep into DNA and genomics with Michaela Willey. Michaela is currently a PhD student within the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases at the National Institutes of Health. Her research is centered around the fields of bioinformatics, computational biology, next-generation sequencing, CRISPR, and genomics. Michaela holds a graduate degree from the Medical University of Innsbruck. Let's find out more about what her and her colleagues are up to. I am super intrigued about your field of study. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do, first of all, as far as your expertise?
1: So I'm computational biologist or bioinformatician, which is pretty much the same. And I am kind of working between IT and biology. So we are applying IT, math, these kind of fields Mm -hmm. to biological questions, to address biological data sets. So we are kind of biologists, but on the computational side.
0: Really? So, analyzation and and of the research that's being done, and then just using that that side of it to understand it better. Exactly. Yeah. What got you into this? I'm really curious as far as, you know, your path, like when you initially, you know, what what got you into it?
1: So, back at school, I realized that my strengths are more into. mathematics and physics and biology so more these natural sciences Mm -hmm. and the Austrian school system allows you to kind of pick your major in this direction so I did not pick languages like other people I went more in this direction so I could graduate with having a lot of physics with having a lot of math and biology basically right And from there, I was interested in med school and still computational science. So I found this kind of niche of bioinformatics where you can kind of combine both of that. So that's how I started my undergraduate.
0: I think it's so fascinating that you truly tailored something that was in your heart. So you're like, I'm good at this. I'm not so good at language, but I really like this. And I kind of like medical school, but I also like this. And you were actually able to to create something or find something that was perfect for you. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it is. Would you explain a little bit about your, your research and, and why it's important?
1: So in my research area, we are really basically uh, focusing on the basic stuff. So we try to understand why genes are regulated uh, how they are. hmm So considering one cell, we have always the same set of genes in there. But the cell is sometimes in the muscle or in the blood system or in the liver. So different genes need to be active to make the cell to what it is at the end. And we are trying to understand how this works. And for that, on the DNA, so on the whole genomic DNA, we have not only genes... But we have also so-called regulatory elements which allow to activate a gene. Mm -hmm. So we are studying those elements to understand which gene do they activate, to what level do they activate a gene? Is it very highly activated or moderately activated, for instance? And that's what we are trying to address and trying to understand better to then translate this into more medical-relevant research.
0: Okay. Is this the same thing as... Is it gene editing or just gene studying? Or is there, is there a difference?
1: Um, so we are studying genes, okay. but we use gene editing for that. So gene editing is a technique where you can cut out specific parts of the DNA. Mm-hmm. Or more recently, um, there's another Um, gene editing technique, which is called base editing, where you can switch the base pair. So you can change a C to a T, or you can change an A to a G, for instance. Mm -hmm. So there are two possibilities. Either you switch single bases, Mm -hmm. or you really cut parts out using CRISPR-Cas9. And what we mainly use is CRISPR-Cas9 to cut out such... DNA elements which regulate the gene to understand the consequences. So if this is missing, for instance, what happens to the genes around? Mm -hmm. And what happens if these genes are deregulated? Are further other genes deregulated? What are the consequences out of that? Because this is not understood yet very well.
0: Right. It's such a complex thing to understand, obviously. Oh,
1: yeah. Much more complex than I think people expected when they analyzed the dna the first time
0: i watched um a ted talk on g on gene work and dna and one of the things that one of the professor i forget who it was brought out was uh, the coding of a gene. And it was volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes that he brought on the stage. Mm-hmm. And this is like, this is the code in one gene yeah, or one DNA just strain or whatnot. So it really opened the eyes to the audience of how how complex this work is. Would you explain, I know you had a paper on CRISPR mm-hmm. technology. Is it, techno- is it a technology? Or a te- is it a technology.
1: I would call it technology.. Is a
0: technology? <laughs> would you explain to the audience what, what that means?
1: So in general, you can use CRISPR to modify the genome. So you can cut out genes, you can cut out such regulatory elements, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is not so much addressed yet is the safety. So if you want to target one specific area on the genome, does something else happens anywhere else on the genome? So our research focus in terms of that was to use CRISPR in mice because we have a lot of experience in doing that. And then see using whole genome sequencing, which basically gives you a picture of the complete DNA Mm -hmm. of this mouse Mm -hmm. to see if we change the DNA somewhere else in the genome and not only there where we want it to change. So for that, we did, this sequencing technology on the parents of the mice, then their pups, which were treated with CRISPR, but also some siblings which were not treated with CRISPR to see them as a control. Mm -hmm. Because what is important here that we need the parents and the siblings is that each mouse generation or each human generation just generates mutations, So if you have kids, they will have a certain set of mutations. It's just how it works. I mean, it's that are just occurring kind of errors by nature. But most of them usually no one. I mean, they are nonsense. Right. Yeah. It's
0: just different. It's not exact copy. It's a mutated copy. But
1: only a rare subset of them are disease causing in general. Right. So, this allowed us really to use this CRISPR treated mice to compare if those carry more mutations than the parents or different mutations than the parents, and especially more mutations than their siblings. And what we found out is that they do not carry more mutations than their siblings. So, from that, we can conclude that CRISPR does not cause unintended mutations in the genome in a huge fashion. Mm-hmm. yeah. But and CRISPR,
0: so the technology does not... Studying it doesn't cause more, more mutations? Yes. Okay. But it's a tool Be- that you use
1: Because to st- we could look at the total set of mutations in these CRISPR-treated mice and in these control siblings, mm-hmm. and the set of mutations is in the same range. Right. And by that, we can conclude that CRISPR is not introducing new a new set of mutations, which we were not aware of.
0: Really fascinating. What uh, does the day in the life of what you do look like?
1: Um, So a lot of collaboration. Okay. (laughs) Um,
0: Collaboration with other scientists. Yes.
1: So especially in our lab, so I am the computational biologist and the other people are in the lab. So my colleagues mainly generate the data and I analyze them. Okay. So, based on that, we have a lot of collaboration amongst each other, mm-hmm. and so we have mouse models with such CRISPR mutations where we try to understand how the genes are regulated, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of analyzing the data to see what happens, what are the consequences, what is changing in the genome using different techniques
0: okay
1: yeah on um, yeah
0: so it's collaborative effort you're working with with, with scientists and yes so forth. We talked about in your life path, it wasn't a direct, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm I'm already here. You had several kind of guidance. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: So I think it started in my undergraduate where I started with two fields. It's like this medical informatics where you study the whole information systems in hospitals Mm -hmm. so that where the doctors put in all the information where you have your record of each patient and things like that but i also studied the science part Mm -hmm. of um, informatics so from there i decided i'm more interested in the science so for my masters i got in this direction At that time, I was also working for the Austrian Childhood Cancer Organization. Mm -hmm. And there I was on conferences and I suddenly saw the sequencing technologies coming up because it was kind of that time where they got really popular and affordable. Mm -hmm. So I was like that I kind of got interested in that because I thought it's very fascinating what you can do with patient samples and what the readout is and what you can conclude out of that and how you can combine it and all those things. Mm -hmm. So then I tried to find a lab for my master thesis in Innsbruck where I can already kind of try a little bit how the work there is, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I started to do my PhD, because I thought this is really fascinating. And I like it. I like um, how science works or how kind of this work environment is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And during my PhD, I had then the chance to join the NIH, so the National Institutes of Health. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it was a really, really good decision. And I still enjoy it. (laughs)
0: It's a wonderful path. What I love about your path is that you were just trying things and as you saw something that interested you, you just followed your passion. You followed your heart, where your heart was taking you. Yeah. And um, I just think that's that's incredibly fascinating how you just kind of created your career out of just things that you that you loved. What do you what are the goals of your research? What are you trying to for you personally, what are you trying to uh, inspire in the world?
1: Personally, I would say I try to answer questions I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. But they that they also kind of serve a purpose for society, for for research. Mm-hmm. Um, in our case, I think the current goal is really to understand this gene regulation a little bit better. And that people can use this information then for further studies in human diseases or so. We Our studies are not in human diseases or disease-related models. We really try to understand it on a basic level. Mm -hmm. But the knowledge can be translated to the next level. And this is then kind of what other research groups do. I mean, each research group has kind of their focus, and then you transfer it to whatever you are doing and think whether it makes sense or not.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I I, I, um, love the way the we as humans evolve and transfer education. So we go do our piece of it and then push that education forward and have someone else picks up the baton and they take it to the next level, which yeah. is really interesting. But but the work that you're doing, even though you call it basic, <laughs> <laughs> I think most listeners are going to be like, wow, that's basic. <laughs> um, but the over, you know, what I heard in what you said as well, though, is I have questions and I like to answer those questions, but I know that my questions are going to impact society. Yeah. And so, um, I just think that's a really amazing way to enjoy your work and your passion because you get to get up every day and you, you, the curiosity is what drives you. You answer those questions. And as you said in our conversation earlier, that then five more arise <laughs> and you keep chasing that. Uh, but then you know, taking all this data and knowledge in, and and then sharing that with others. I think that's really amazing. Um, uh, So one of the things that I wanted to to talk about is there's people in the audience that are kind of trying to figure out what they want to do in life. What would your advice be to them?
1: Um, So my advice or what worked pretty well for me is that I chose the direction I'm good in. Not necessarily maybe the direction where you can make most of the money or where people kind of think you are good in. Mm -hmm. So I always try to follow what I like, what I'm passionate for. Right. Because for me, or I think in general, life or work is a a big part of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think life is hard if you need to force yourself to work. Yeah. So I think if you can go to work because you like it, no matter what it is, Mm -hmm. I think it makes life more enjoyable. Oh, yeah. And um, maybe also you more successful because you actually like what you do and then you are maybe more into it. Yeah.
0: No, I agree 100 percent in a lot of the interviews. So in the work that we do in sharing stories of all aspects, entrepreneurs and artists and, and now scientists... Um, it's hyper important or what I've seen is the people that are the happiest are those that march to the beat of their own drum. They follow what's in their heart. And, um, that's part of what our shows and our network's all about is just trying to show people that, you know, sure, there's going to be people that are going to tell you what to do, but that's usually not what causes you the most happiness. It's kind of finding on your own what makes you happy Mm -hmm. and then figuring out how to best produce that work on a daily basis to be happy. So that's just amazing advice, I think. Uh, well, thank you very much t- for being on our show. I, we, we learned a significant amount. And and for our audience out there, I, I hope that that was as interesting to them as it was to me. And, and uh, good luck on your continued research.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Wow. Just wow is all I can say about the work that you were doing and what DNA science is capable of right now. Thank you, Michaela, for sharing your knowledge with us. The Reno Lab podcast team includes me, Dan Dillard, producer Mariah Gossett, and audio engineer Jake Wallace. Special thanks to Robin Tim Weiss and the amazing team at Research and Innovation Network Austria. The Reno Lab podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, and all other major podcast platforms. Maybe share this episode with a science fan in your life this week. We would appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll be seeing you next week.